Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 76 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Hi. I feel like COVID has changed the tone of my voice. <laughs> I don't think so at all, but <laughs> you can you know, believe I'm that. So sensitive to sound. I'm so very sensitive to sound, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I've noticed is my my voice is scratchy at times, even still. Um, but definitely, I've always had a deep voice, but sometimes I notice that the tone of my voice is scratchier. So. I'm very sensitive to that. I think we've talked about this before. I think, I think your voice has always been as scratchy as it is. As someone who hears I, your voice a lot, not being I mean, inside of like yourself. A, a, you know, a 70-year-old who's smoked half her life. No, I mean, I, that's not true. I'm 45 and not. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, kind of leading into a lot of things that we're going to talk about today. But my senses have never, I've never been more grateful and aware of my senses. I've always been very hyper aware of my um, sense of of sound and my sensitivity to sound. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm definitely now more aware of taste and smell. Um, (laughs) Now that you have them back. (laughs) And and sometimes it's still kind of interesting. Like coffee isn't, still isn't exactly the coffee I want to be. That's reason enough alone to quarantine. (laughs) And wine is not exactly what I want it to be. However... I, when, when my smell started to return even slightly, (laughs) I was practically sniffing like straight up. Like I was doing cocaine, sniffing things. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to cut that. Probably. Making jokes about drug usage. I'm not saying that. No, not at all. Like it was a simile. And Tess, as you know, I have been hyper aware of. Um, the brain fog that I've experienced. And I think Mm -hmm. I will probably notice that as I listen back to this recording, as I always do. I'm trying to be more aware of the ums that I say. Mm. Also, my language, but the pauses that I use, I know that I I do use them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes now I'm pausing because I can't think of the word that I want. Or as you witnessed, during our um, team meeting, I say the wrong word. I meant to say ravaged, and I said, ra- I think I said rabbit. Rab- I don't know. I don't know. But it wasn't even close. <laughs> and like the word comes out, and then I realize, oh, that is not the word that I meant. Or you help me a lot during meetings. You're like, I know what word she's looking for. It's this. Go ahead. <laughs> so, hello, everyone. I am openly admitting to having been COVID positive and it has been a really, really fascinating experience. Mm. That's the nicest way that I can say it. And I feel like a lot of people who are listening may be able to relate to that because maybe they also have experienced the most interesting, fascinating experience we are going to call 2020 and COVID. Yep. It's definitely been startling to me how how people have reacted, mm-hmm. how people have reacted to me, how people have, on, on the full spectrum test, like I couldn't believe how our team stepped up and, and just like took over mm-hmm. and helped me to be, to be off work. 
Because um, we know you mostly. <laughs> and I do, um, one of my goals this year is to really be um, intentional about being an example of well-being, but also to honor my well-being. Mm-hmm. And if you are sick and working, that is not a demonstration of well-being. Nope. And I would have probably continued to work, but I was strongly encouraged to rest and be well. And I recall threatening and disconnecting you from your email if I had to. I I was just waiting for one day that (laughs) you got an error message. Like your login doesn't work. (laughs) So on that spectrum, you know, the people who were so kind and so compassionate and so helpful to the other spectrum of being treated like I I got to be careful here with my words. I'm not stumbling for a word. I'm being careful. Yeah. Okay. People who, gosh, I found a quote today that helped me better say it. Um, if someone treats you less than at one of the most, if a person makes you question your self-worth while you're dealing with the most stressful circumstances of your life, that's probably not a good indicator. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I, I just, as we all have said, I think since March, crisis is a great revealer. Mm-hmm. And I have definitely seen the best and the worst of people, but the best of people who were caring and concerned and so kind. Mm-hmm. And then people who acted like, um, not that I didn't exist, but as if. A leper, like in all honesty. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. use that word, but yes, I'll use that word. And yeah. you know, it's been a lot of isolation, which is definitely not for me. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about this many times here on Jen and Millie, and I love, you know, when our listeners have comments about this, you know, what's the dif- difference between solitude and isolation? Solitude, which I love, is chosen space, chosen quiet time, reflection, mm-hmm. um, necessary for me. Isolation is a very dark, um, lonely, sad mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. And I've never in my life gone three weeks without seeing another human being. someone that I care about. Yeah. Um, and to just get moved here, you know, which has been a dream come true, yeah. and then have it abruptly uh, mm-hmm. change. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, missing my family and missing my kids and yeah, um, missing normalcy. Yeah. I think that there's something, though, too, that we need to acknowledge in that. Um, chosen you know choosing to be alone choosing to create the space of solitude I think also can be a mindset one takes when forced to isolate right so like you are not necessarily given the option I mean technically there are people that are probably COVID positive that are choosing to walk around right but you chose for the sake of your own self your own conscience but also for the public health and for the public good to isolate for three weeks um but there's a way that you and I and it doesn't mean that like And this is not to say like in every moment you should have been grateful for the social isolation, but they're also right because like the reality of isolation and being alone sucks sometimes, especially when it's not the entire entity is not a choice on your own. Right. But um, there is probably a mindset that one could approach that with that is a little bit healthier. Right. Um, That is not healthier in relativity to where you're at. Like I'm not being a relativist here, but like healthier in general. Right. To say I'm going to make the most of this time as as much as I can. Right. Um, And I'm going to approach this from more of a positive perspective to say, how can I take advantage of this um, of 
this really hard thing that was thrown into my life because of this. So, um, you know, that's not to downplay the fact that this has really affected people's mental and emotional well-being, um, spiritual well-being, physical well-being, obviously, because it is a health issue. But also, I think that there are, I think there are a lot of people who have let the pandemic and let the isolation of quarantine get the most and override them, right? And overwhelm them, right? When there is some agency that we have in terms of choosing how do we approach this situation with the right mindset, right? And I think, um, you know, revisiting my word of the year choice, I Mm -hmm. made a choice to put myself in a position that put me at risk. I still chose that willingly. And that ended up then being a choice that I made that had a consequence. Yeah. And I've been very, I think, pretty vigilant about my choices. I also think that, Tess, honestly, probably the first week, I was so overwhelmed with guilt that I could potentially have exposed anyone. I mean, I, I could hardly deal with it. I could hardly deal with it. Mm-hmm. That was probably the worst. And when I, the individuals that I had been around that I that I knew could potentially have been exposed by me, when they got their negative um, test results, I the feeling I had of relief was mm-hmm. was greater than, like I was like I could be physically sick, but I can't be responsible for someone else being sick. I ju- I just couldn't. You know, it's that overriding, overarching guilt mm-hmm. that plays a huge factor in my life. So I, I don't even know how I would be talking about this had I exposed someone. And so I, I don't even know that I could say the word COVID had I exposed somebody. And I will say also, I our system is so broken as we've mm-hmm. talked about a million times mm-hmm. tests i had to call 15 different places for five days to get a test oh my god it gosh. should not be like this no and i have the wherewithal and i have the means and i have the capacity to stay on the phone and to stay on hold and to keep calling and to get up at seven in the morning and get online to get it you know in line in line for a test that should not be how this is is working if we want mm-hmm. to be able to control a pandemic testing should be everywhere and it should be free and it should be easy and it was not easy it took me a long time from the date of my first symptoms to get in for a test and the Mm -hmm. second that I started having symptoms I was like you know all these other people that were at the same event you were at have it Mm -hmm. you know you've got to to make good choices here so there's just been a um so much emotional Mm -hmm. up and down about it that I think Often in this space, we share a lot of like big celebrations and we do share hard things, but there are waves. Yeah. And the ups are great because we learn a lot during Mm -hmm. the ups. We learn, I think, more about ourselves during the down, during the shift. Absolutely. and we see what what our priorities are and what we're made of and what we're capable of. Um, I follow a blog by Lisa Valentine. Um, it's called Habitual Gratitude, and mm-hmm. this was what she wrote today. Um, Living gratefully is not about denying and glossing over the grim realities of life as human. Living gratefully is about pausing to breathe and feel grounded and acknowledging that this is tough right now, but I have the energy to proceed. I have what I need in this moment. It may not be all I want, but it is enough and more. 
Yeah. And I have tried to stay centered in gratitude. I have gone through some tough stuff, but nothing in comparison to so many. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the amount of like people that are the percentage of the population that's still unemployed, that is still very financially insecure as a result of this is just, I mean, is so troubling. And so, yeah, I, not to get political, but I'm going to be grateful for a shift in leadership soon that hopefully will take a more proactive approach with this, whatever, whatever you believe about whomever, however you voted in the last election, I am, I'm grateful for, I think a shift in leadership that will take this a little bit more seriously and put more proactive measures in place because yeah, I looked, I looked at a map of the world the other day and it said it was a uh, a density population map, um, a, a, a positive COVID rate map based on density of the population. And it was, somebody took a picture of this, right? Positive rates for, based on population. And um, underneath tweeted, and they're like, it is so embarrassing to be in the United States right now because it's everywhere, right? This was like a basic map that was a little bit topographical too. So it had the oceans blue and the land green and you know basic like um, a map like that and then everywhere that there was a like higher gosh I can't remember I think they took like the the world average and they put a red dot everywhere that the average COVID positive rate was higher than the world's average and it was I mean all the United States there were like a couple of red dots in Europe but it was like the entire United States was blaringly red it was I mean it was scary. And so it's, yeah, it was like, that is exactly how I feel. Like it's embarrassing to be in the United States right now. Well, I have loved watching New Zealand for a number Mm -hmm. of reasons. And now, um, I think she just named her cabinet, um, Mm -hmm. very, um, very well with, um, Mm -hmm. significant number of people in the LGBTQ plus community. I just, Mm -hmm. indigenous community. Yep. So my top, top yeah. list of places I should probably, you know, consider living because you know, why not? Why not? But <laughs> I, I, I do even, and I've noticed this, it's so different here. It mm. is very different here than it is back home. Mm. It is. I mean, I, when I drive to the grocery store tests, the bars are closed here. Like they're mm-hmm. not open yep. in my neighborhood. They're not even open. Yeah. Um, they don't get to be because they're very, very the spread different. of COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, um, I took myself to dinner. I got off quarantine Wednesday, um, and I felt well enough to, to try to eat, um, which is, that's also been really fascinating. I know myself, um, I have a tendency to, to lose weight quickly. And that's usually a sign that something's not okay within my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. So I, I wanted to try some. Anyway, I took myself to uh, an Indian restaurant in Parker and had just one of the most lovely conversations I've had in, in a, a long, long time with the owner of the restaurant. And he was talking about how he supports the decision to to limit people in the restaurant, even though that hurts his business. Yeah. He supports the decision. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we also had a fascinating conversation, totally off topic fascinating conversation about language. He learned the English language. He's from Nepal. He learned the English language through movies and by reading magazine articles and newspaper articles. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm always just absolutely astounded. And 
I, I notice when someone is articulate and he said, and you are very articulate. Look at and that I, strengths fight in your I communication. Said, I say, he goes, he goes, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a trainer and you know, I, I do some, <laughs> some speaking kind of stuff. But I told him, I said, my big awareness in the last year is how often I say, um, hmm. and he said, what can you do about that? I said, I noticed that I pause and pausing is good. I'm all about the rest. But sometimes I'm pausing because I'm trying not to say um. Hmm. <laughs> like four times in the conversation, I said um. Lovely, lovely person told me his life story, which was fascinating too. But I was so, so desperate for a human voice hmm. that he could have told me about hockey. And I would have listened. Um, <laughs> and listeners I, can't you see that she's like rolling her eyes right now. <laughs> the concept of talking about hockey in a normal circumstance is my nummy. <laughs> I have gone to some, a few hockey games and I do have a couple <laughs> hockey team shirts just to let you know how much I, how much woo is a factor. If someone says, Allison, you need to be a fan of this. Please, if you want to go to this event, I'll buy it. So, so funny. Um, there it is. I, I am learning through this and I hope that any listener who has experienced COVID in any capacity, whether they had it or a family member had it, I have tremendous empathy now. Mm -hmm. Like I've never had, I just mm -hmm. didn't even factor in the mental health part of this. Yeah. yeah. Even though I'm hearing about it and I'm aware of it and mm -hmm. I am conscious of it. I don't think I fully understood it until mm -hmm. um, forced isolation, also mm -hmm. in a new city, yeah. away from every human that I'm used to being around. Yeah. So it's definitely been different. Mm -hmm. I couldn't thank you enough for the way that you stepped up, um, mm -hmm. the way that the team stepped up, the way that Anna, oh my goodness, mm -hmm. Anna stepped up in a thousand awesome. ways, yeah. as always. Mm -hmm. But. And I've got some pretty amazing family and friends. I've got mm -hmm. an absolutely stunning bouquet of flowers from my, my lifelong strengths coach who has been just a huge, um, help mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of surprises you as always, like who shows yeah. up, who shows yeah. up for you? Um, my friend Kim one day knocked on the door, she had her full gear on, she had her, she had not just her mask, but she had her face shield and everything and just dropped off a care package um, for oh, me at my door. Oh. But I, I don't know that she probably even understands what it was like to see yeah. someone before. Um, yeah. that's, a big, that's kind of a big analogy for me, a big um, metaphor for me. Like, you know, yeah. who shows up? Who shows yeah. up at your door in the worst of times. So, And I think that's like, it's a continuation of the conversation of what does your best possible life look like? Because the things, you know, we've talked a lot about like where you live and what you do and, you know, what your um, state of well-being looks like. But I don't think we acknowledge the influence that people have on a best possible life, right? Having negative, toxic not so great people in your life um, has a has a large effect, right, on your best life possible. And I think that we, you know, are we talk a lot about, right? I think great relationships are good examples of things like that, and we I think model, uh, you know, great partnerships and um, complementary partnerships. But I don't think we we talk enough 
in a very explicit sense about how to identify not great partnerships and consequently how to distance ourselves from them. Um, I think we've we've talked a little bit about them from personal journeys, but I don't think conceptually we've maybe talked about that as much. And I think it's something that, you know, from, especially from like a strengths-based perspective, we can, I think, very easily walk people through identifying a lack of a best fit to role or a lack of strengths awareness or a lack of engagement in one's work. But I think the relational piece is something that we all need to tap into a little bit more to say, how do we identify relationships that are not giving us life and work to put boundaries and barriers in place that help us to live our best form of life, to live this idea of what's the best possible life. Um, and yeah, I just... I guess I say um all the time too. I'm like noticing it now that you're becoming more aware of it and my own verbal positive, you know. Um, but you know, uh, how do we put... Um, uh, it's the Minnesota yeah, in you. It's the Minnesota. Oh, you know. Um, but how do we, yeah, how do we identify those relationships? And some relationships we won't be able to fully cut ourselves, cut out of our life. But I think there are strategies and there are steps that we can take to emotionally, mentally, spiritually, however we need to distance ourselves and put better boundaries in place with those relationships so that we can, as individuals, thrive within our own life context. One of the things that we talked about in the green room is how I spent some of my time when I was like, my brain wasn't working and I was feeling terrible. I really, there were days I felt like fine one minute and then I feel just awful. I have not read this much in a long time and I loved that. And I finished uh, Liz Gilbert's book, City of Girls, which Mm -hmm. is a novel and it's fascinating and there's so much character development. Mm -hmm. So good. And it made me think of during the gala when Coach Osborne talked about his favorite Bill Murray movie, mm-hmm. which yeah. was What About Bob, which really <laughs> surprised me. And I loved it. I loved that he said that. But what I don't know if everybody caught this, but what he said was about how Bill, as an actor, developed that character mm-hmm. and, and this many, many layers of that character. Yeah. And then he kind of talked about Bill as a human, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the documentary that I sent to everybody, but it's so it's really good mm-hmm. about how how he's just a human who shows up. Yeah. He's a human who shows up and does really kind things for no reason. Um, and then I went mm-hmm. and watched On the Rocks, which is his newest movie. It's on Apple TV. I watched that. So I read a bunch of books and I, I watched a bunch of TV. And I noticed strengths, identification yeah. mm-hmm. in characters, in both novels and in TV. And I also noticed storylines and narratives. And one of the things that I am trying to do is recognize, like, what is my narrative that is toxic for me? Not just people Mm -hmm. who are toxic for me, but what's a narrative in my mind? What's a story that I tell myself? And I do a lot of this when I do coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, what's, can you identify the narrative? And once we identify it, Mm -hmm. it's it's easier because we can name it. We can say, oh, there it is. Mm -hmm. I see you. All right. And I think my narrative for my entire life has been around, you know, kind of a, an abandonment, um, of not being good enough. People are eventually just going to leave. They're just going to go, they're going to leave because you did something wrong or something's not right about you or you're not Mm. enough. And I could see this so distinctly as I'm watching these TV shows and I'm watching and I'm reading this book or multiple books. It's normal. Mm -hmm. It is normal to have a toxic 
crappy narrative about yourself. Yeah. Everybody has it, yeah. but we don't spend enough time naming it and working through it. So as soon as I moved into isolation point, I was like, well, here this comes. I'm going to feel like you made a mistake. You're an idiot. You're foolish. Foolish is a huge thing for me. Mm. You didn't get it right. You didn't choose well. And I could at least identify that that was happening. But bizarrely, Tess, by turning my brain off and like getting, I don't want to call it mushy brain, but like essentially new girl does not. New girl does not require a lot of thought. I mean, nope. I'm just, that is like feeding me content. <laughs> nope, it does that not. That makes it easy for me to understand each one of those characters has the narrative too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think if you were to explore yours, which mm-hmm. I will always push you to do, I, you, I think you can identify it. I yep. think you know it. You often talk about it. Yeah. Um, the middle. Yeah, the middle oh. is, a, is a story. The middle is also a mm-hmm. story that you have tons of research and context and background and history mm-hmm. about. Yeah, but I would love for you to share a little bit about what is giving you light and hope and positive reinforcement mm-hmm. around that narrative, not in it, but working around it and through it. And the listeners can't see that I'm using very dramatic arm motions right <laughs> no, now. No, you are. They'll be able to hear because your voice goes in and out when you like back away from the mic to do your... <laughs> okay, Wait, can you... I have done yoga this entire time. I'm very proud of I'm myself. proud of yourself, even with your brain um, being, you know, not... I don't want to use your word mushy, but that's kind of the word, that descriptor that you Wait, used. Wait, you listen to this. You're going to clear it. Okay. You'll clearly see my brain is not working. <laughs> um, sorry, can you clarify the question though? Like what's giving your life around, what's giving me life around my narrative? What I would love for you to share a little bit about maybe what you do that walks you out of that narrative test. Okay. And I think it's in learning. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I guess my life-limiting narrative as you kind of shared is like the middle like being the middle of the middle of the middle that means I just often am overlooked and you know consequently have to perform right to get what I want I have to excel in things I have to be the best like I have to get you know as much you know whatever right so Um, you know, uh, I grew up, you know, millennial generation for sure is the Millie of the crew is a lot about meritocracy is about earning and worth is based on what sort of achievements you can, um, find for yourself or earn for yourself. Um, and so that definitely was like a, uh, I mean, in a really positive way, but leading to somewhat negative results growing up, right. Of my parents being like, you know, telling me that I was very smart and I can do anything that I want to do. But it also then created this underlying pressure to do the best that there could be done, right? As a result of like this, you're going to be the one to help get us out of, you know, whatever kind of messes or you're going to, you know, there's this running joke that um, I'm going to buy my dad a Jaguar one day because I'm going to be successful, you know? So like all of these things, like I'm like, yeah, if it's a stuffed animal Jaguar, that's going to be what we get. So, like, but you know. Is that a um, pillar of success? I, I, 
I don't really know. It's just runny. I think that's very generational. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this. That's yeah. very generational too. Yeah, it is very generational. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, that's like the running joke, right? Is that, you know, that's um, anyway. But um, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, that is, is what informs some of what I do, right? And it's definitely informs and dictates a lot of my fears of just being in this place of the middle. So I don't excel or I don't come to a place of a lack of excellence, but I always just end up as an average, right? And I like don't want to end up as an average, right? My individualization is like, I cannot be average at anything. <laughs> but, um, you know, in some ways I, I do end up that way, right? Which is like self-fulfilling prophecy in, in some um, if form or fashion. But anyway, okay. So to move on to like the actual question, I think where I find life, where my best possible life is, um, that gets me out of that destructive narrative is in the context of learning um in in whatever form or fashion and so you know it's been and I think we've talked a little bit on the podcast and everyone has seen from our big gap in episodes um it's been super stressful and I am working a ton um not sleeping a lot like not honoring my well-being because I have so much going on and it's very stressful and it's I just work all hours of the day and night, um, teammates in school and, you know, all of it. So, um, so, uh, you know, my respite though is school is learning. Um, and I got the opportunity last week to attend, um, in person, my grad class, um, that I'm in, which is contemporary religious thought is the current class that I'm in. I'm also working on my master's thesis and both of those for my class and my thesis, because I've been working so much, like I feel like I haven't been good enough, right? It has been, it has totally fed in to my narrative, right? Is it like, this is not the best work that I can give. I'm not giving enough time to it. And so it's been a major place of insecurity for me um, because I feel like I haven't been giving my best to it. And, um, but getting to go, um, so my, my school is in Abilene, Texas, West Texas, and um, there, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk, I'm sure we'll get some feedback about the fact that I went, but um, I drove there 11 hours so that I was not on a plane. I wasn't, it's the least risky um, form of travel right now is driving. So I drove there and back. Um, I stayed in a hotel, which I did a lot of research to figure out where I should stay and how I should stay. And, you know, hotel standards for cleanliness um, are already pretty high, but there are some additional measures that Um, hotels need to subject themselves to in light of COVID. And so I felt comfortable staying at a hotel. And then the university requires um, masks. They had a little bit of an increase in rates several months ago, early on. And so they have a really strict measures regarding mask, regarding distancing, regarding um, the places that they serve food for students. And, And you have to have a mask on all the time, even outside in between buildings. As soon as you step foot on campus outside of your private vehicle, you have to have a mask on and you can be reprimanded for not wearing one. Um, so I did feel comfortable all in all with all of the variables still going down there. And I mean, the car ride, I had to get there by a certain point because I was planning on having dinner with a professor that evening. And so I wanted to get into town at a certain point in time. So I had to leave pretty early and the drive was a little bit like wanted to make sure I got there. So I was a little anxious. But as soon as I got there, like as soon as I met my professor, we sat down um, at this restaurant. It was like I mean, the, the weight of the world was off my shoulders. Like, it was like, I am not, 
I am not checking my email. I am not like worried about the portal. I am not like people aren't reaching out to me to ask why the Zoom meeting isn't working. Like just all of these things. It was like, gosh, I just like am even tearing up thinking about it like it was because now all the weight's back on. <laughs> I'm being back. But I mean, it was just such a, uh, just such an awesome time to be with you know professors and students and what I love about this program and what I love about learning is that it's not these surface level things right it's not like why doesn't my zoom ID work and why isn't the email right and why isn't like why is the time zone showing up weirdly like all of these like you know frankly like really shallow questions that have easy uh, easy questions easy answers right that is not that is not how I like to teach. That is not how I like to learn. Um, and so I've had to sit in this place of shallowness because of what work has required of me. And it's, I mean, it's good. I'm good at it. I can do it, right? Like we get our answers, we get our solutions. But what I love to wrestle with are the big picture things, right? So like how does this portal allow connection to happen? How does it impact students during this time of distancing? They're still able to see their mentor, right? That they're even though it's through a screen, right? These questions that I just, because it's so technical, I haven't been able to get to these questions yet. And they will come, right? Like it will come with the portal, but I mean, gosh, as soon as I sat down, as soon as I started talking with my professor about what we were talking about in class and the big questions we were wrestling with, like it was, it immediately was just like, I am in my groove. Like, this is my place. This yeah. is what I love to do. And it was just like, I mean, that's my best possible life is is learning and growing and wrestling with the big questions. And now my voice is all scratchy because I, <laughs> I'm talking about this, but depth is depth is important yeah i think that's part of the reason that you and i continue to do this test yeah. is because we want to have conversations that are deep and meaningful i i think during the last three weeks have found the surface level how are you feeling which is a great check-in to be nice and all but it was very shallow mm -hmm. i almost have a an appreciation or a gratitude of having walked through this because now I can have deep conversations with people who have also walked through this yeah. about mental health, about what it feels like to be anxious and fearful and afraid and feel guilty and sad and lonely mm -hmm. and isolated. Um, we don't, you and I are, I mean, I don't know that I would have called myself this a long time ago, but I've heard it so much in the last year or so. We're intellects. Like we thrive on intellectual conversation mm -hmm. that isn't surface level. Yeah. And yet so much of our daily lives, all of us as humans have to do a whole lot of surface level BS. Mm -hmm. And when that becomes, you know, when I do coaching, I often have, um, we'll create a, um, the time map. We'll do the, mm -hmm. the time wheel yeah. and you actually map out how you're, you are legit spending your time. And I, I push people to be super honest about that because I'm like, mm -hmm. if you're going to lie to me and say that you didn't spend an hour on Facebook, BS. You know, I, I want you to be really honest yeah. about it. And it is fascinating to me when we look at it because we use color coding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how much is for sleep? How much is for exercise? How much is eating? How much is food prep? How much is responding to emails? How much time is in front of the screen? That is critical mm -hmm. right now for us to really evaluate and look at because if we really want to say that, what does it look like to live your best life? Mm -hmm. You have to first step into the reality of 
what does your life actually look like? Yeah, not the one you want to portray. Yeah. Not the one that you post about. Mm-hmm. But what does your real life look like? Mm-hmm. And I think that we have had to face that this year. I'm grateful that we do this and talk about it because I think, I shouldn't say I think, I hope that it gives other people permission to do mm-hmm. the same. Judgment and shame are at an all-time high. When you were talking about, like, you're almost excusing your drive, don't do that, Tess. You did that safely. You were by yourself. You, yeah. Like, don't do that. And, and I feel like I did, I've done it, too, by feeling guilty about going back home and yeah. attending an event that put other people at risk and put me bringing it and potentially putting people at risk. We got to stop doing that yeah. because I think – what if not for the physical um damage that covid is doing just you know physically mental health is bigger than just the isolation it's the shame Mm -hmm. it's the fear it's the oh my god did i do this right and who's going to judge me for this and who's Mm going to treat me like i have the plague and who's going to be there and who's not like that anxiousness yeah is unnecessary if all of us could just approach things from Mm -hmm. a kindness I could see immediately a shift in you um, because you are a private person, but you love the Instagram. And <laughs> I do love the ground. Uh, the YouTube. You love the Facebook. You, love, you don't love the Facebook. No. You don't love the I Twitter. I don't love the Twitter. No. You do love the Instagram. I do. And when you are in a place of joy, it is evident. It is evident. My heart was so full to see the pictures of the things that you took, the way that you talked about hope and what that word means and what it felt like for you to be in it, Tess. I think you were in a place of hopefulness um, when you were there. I hope that you will continue to share that because we're not here to do things easy. Like, I mean, I don't think we'd like it. Honestly, <laughs> if things were easy, I don't know what, what the hell would we talk about on here. I don't know. All the time. <laughs> that was the last episode where it was all like, "Oh, Allison is living your best life." Yeah. Well, guess what? Nothing. Not one thing has gone the way that I planned or expected. Yeah. Not one. And at first, I got pissed, and then I was mad at myself, and you know all those things which I know that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. There are things we cannot control. Yeah. And I, I think where hope really matters and where choice matters lies in what do we do when things are not in our control? How are we yeah. spending the time that we can choose? Um, what is it? What does, what looks like toxic narrative? What looks like toxic relationship? What looks like toxic mm-hmm. overdoing? Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you separate from that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what would, what would it look like if you didn't have the learning and the education and the classes and the, all of that right now? Oh, you know I would be learning in some other context. I am still learning in other contexts, even though I'm not. Even though I am fully enrolled in the graduate, like, full-time school program, I am, like, 
taking Coursera courses and um, doing, you know, all sorts of like other side project learnings that aren't like a formal education track. And I know I would continue to do that. Like I also have a running list. You're going to laugh. I have a running list of all of the things that I want to learn once I have a little bit more time to learn because I won't be formally learning <laughs> throughout school programs. Okay. So this kind of points back to what Shane had always taught me about agency. It's like identification of knowing what you need to be hopeful. Yep. And every time that I read, I get CNN, little like CNN to my mm-hmm. email in the morning, yeah. little five things you should know. And every morning starts with these horrifying stats oh. on, on, on COVID. And it, every day I think, how are we gonna be hopeful? And I hear people respond to me because now I think I have antibodies. That's what my brain thinks. I have antibodies. And I hear from people, oh, no, you really probably don't yet. Well, do you really? We don't really know if you do. Well, then how is the vaccine going to work if you don't believe in antibodies? Are we just all going to live like this forever? And I can't. Uh-uh. I know no I way. cannot. I no cannot. Way. My first hike, the day I got out of quarantine, I was like that little kid in the YouTube video that's like, good morning, Hi. I, and I was so grateful when mm-hmm. people smiled back or said yeah. hello back or mm-hmm. smiled a little tiny bit. I just think we have to find agency pathways yeah. to be hopeful now. Mm-hmm. But, but it starts, I think, first in identifying narratives and toxicity yeah. but then identifying what is it you really need. Yeah. Like you really need, you need to learn. Mm-hmm. If you're not learning, yeah. you will go to a place of rot. Oh, for sure. I'm like, if I'm not for learning, me, I'm not growing. That's how I roll. Yeah. For me, what I've learned in this is if I'm not connecting, mm-hmm. if I don't have connection, deep, real, not surface level. Yep. Yes. Deep, real connection. I am rotting. Yeah. So I, I have to seek that in different ways. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I think Wu's been in the tank for me in a lot of ways because my, in the last year or so, my circle got really tight mm-hmm. because of trust issues. And yeah. I'm learning not to say that anymore. I'm growing and learning. I don't have trust issues. I'm growing and learning about how I open myself. So my circle became like this. And then mm-hmm. with the move, my circle became like this. Yeah. And and even COVID, my circle became like this. Mm-hmm. I am going to have to stretch myself. Tess, I have been on the Facebook looking up <laughs> ways to connect here in Denver. Like I've already joined a women's hiking group and I've, I've joined a couple of like a um, a group that follows live music that's still happening in places. I mean, it's like this underground quiet, like don't tell anybody, <laughs> but people are still performing. And so I've joined all these groups. Do you know how hard that is for me to do? I mean, I feel like I'm back in junior high saying, will you be my friend? And I just hate, I do not want to do it. I want things to happen super organically. Mm-hmm. Like I will be in the grocery store and someone will come up and say, hey, are you are you interested in joining a women's hiking group? That's yeah, not how it's that, that happens all the time in grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> so I am stretching, stretching hard because I know Good. what I need is deep, meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to stretch myself to find people here. Mm-hmm. It's going to make me uncomfortable. I mean, I have never had a hard time making friends, and I'm not saying that that's going to be the case here, but it just feels so uncomfortable. I've been in my little three hour circle my whole life. Your whole life. But also like your normal method for making friends and for connecting with people has been removed. 
right? So normally you would be sitting at a bar drinking a great glass of red wine and you would be able to find a, a great conversation partner that coming next to you or the bartender or, right? Like, you know. Instead, <laughs> it was the owner of the restaurant who yeah. told me his life story and is from Nepal and he's a wonderful person and said, Alice, and he, and he said, I never remember names. And I told him my name at the beginning and then before I left, he said, Allison. He said, anytime. He yeah. said, come here, come on a weeknight when it's more quiet. He said, sit at the bar and I'll tell you about places that you need to, to check out and try. And I mean, out of absolute of course. kindness, yeah. of course, kindness. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'm going to have to do some of those things, but mm-hmm. also I think I told you in the green room <laughs> at the same time, he said, what a terrible time to move to a new yeah. city. Yep. <laughs> Breaking my heart here. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah. I do think it's going to a lot of this feels like a return to March and none of us mm-hmm. knew what to expect in March. I think in March yeah. we're like, Oh, well, I'm going to have some time to read some books and hang out and yeah. go to the <laughs> different time. And maybe I'm going to wear a mask and this is going to be different. And then it became eight <sighs> long freaking months of this. Yep. And now I think we're all knowing mm-hmm. there's like a knowing with the capital K as I say lately. Mm-hmm. That we could return to March, but it could be even worse. Yeah. And we know what it feels like, and it doesn't feel like novelty. No. It feels like anticipating the root mm-hmm. canal. Yeah. And by yourself. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said about, um, which I am eventually going to Bridget Jones Diary blog the <laughs> heck out of this, but what being alone. Yeah really feels like right now the grass is greener people all of you who are just frustrated with your kids at home and homeschooling i'd give a million dollars to be you do not even think for a second that Mm -hmm. this is glory it is it's not it's a lot of um it's a different kind of isolation when you are completely on your own and you don't have built-in faces or Mm built-in hugs or built-in conversations or even mm-hmm. food prep. I used to do that all the time. Like with Lauren, we would, I'd make dinner and she'd come over or I'd say, I just opened this bottle of wine. Do you want to come over? And I don't have that yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's different. And as you know, and you and I both know that mm-hmm. it's a very, very different space to be in. Yeah. I like that. The question that you brought up though, of like, what, what do you need to be hopeful? So I think keeping that at the forefront is helpful. And you need learning. Mm-hmm. And I need... Connection. Deep, deep connection. Meaningful yeah. connection. Yeah, that's good. And then I think like the concept of the time audit, right, I think is a great exercise, and I love doing that. Um, and I think it's another reminder of this concept of the best possible life, right? And I love I love your example of last episode was all sunshines and rainbows and celebration, and then here we are. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it is also the idea, right, of you have taken a very meaningful step to live your best possible life, but every day isn't necessarily, and because of the situation, because of the... Um, uh, events that have unfolded, i.e. a COVID positive um, test, um, 
you haven't been able to necessarily live in that, right? So I think there's this twofold piece, right? That number one, we idealize this concept and it's good to know what a best possible life looks for it, look, looks like for us, but it is not going to be 100% sunshines and rainbows. Um, and a best possible life takes work and takes effort and energy. And it's a lot about mindset, right? Not just about the actions that we're gonna take to get there. But then also a best possible life is made up of really small moments of time, right? So when we do an audit, like a time wheel, you might break it up into an hour increments or 30 minute or 15 minute increments, right? To understand how you spend your time. But the sum of how one spends their time on an average day equates to how they spend their life, right? So when you wanna talk about a best possible life, a best possible life is made up of all of these really small choices in these small increments of how we decide to spend each moment, right? How we decide to spend each day, how we decide to spend each week and each month and consequently each year, right? Eight months has passed. And yes, there are times where we need to sit and watch New Girl for hours on end because it's what we need to do because our brains can't process anything else, right? I'm not watching it for hours. No. I'm tell you that. Oh my gosh, I you're fine. No. Oh my gosh. Emotionally, I can't handle it. There's it's, so much going there is on. There's so in that much show. going on in that show. But but like that is what people need sometimes to cope with what's happening, and that is okay and that is acceptable. I think that largely we also need to zoom out and look at the fact that eight months has passed and where have we been? How have we grown? How have we changed for good and for bad? And you're right understanding where we want to be with our best possible life takes a real honest look at where we're at now. Where's our baseline? Where is our starting point for getting to a concept of a best possible life for our future? So there's so much in that. I'm very excited for Friday. This is a little um, hopefulness for me. I am going to be back on Facebook Live. Yay, it's been a while. It has been a while, um, and hopefully my voice will not sound like I'm... Oh, gosh. Anyway. You're fine. So I'm going to do Facebook Live, and I am going to share a story, and I'm going to share about Beverly. And I reached mm-hmm. out and said, hey, Beverly, would you be okay? You know, she knows I share. I've already mm-hmm. gotten permission to share all the stories I've shared over the years, but I said, can I share about where you are now, and, you know, would you be okay with that? And she responded back. She said... Oh, I love you. She said, absolutely, yes. Yes, you can share. Mm. And I said, well, we record it, and then I'll send it to you. So she graduated from basic, and she's now in tech school. Mm. And so I am so excited, and I, I've been thoughtful about, you know, what do I want to say so that I get it right? But to be able to share about, you know, the up and down of that, mm-hmm. the up and down of being matched and then her moving and then me moving and then never thinking that I'd see her and then her moving again and us being reconnected and then her moving again and then us being reconnected. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that. That is something I'm looking forward to. Also, I am so into music right now. I don't know that mm-hmm. I've ever been this much into music and new music, new to me music. Yeah. I always love the Wild Feathers, but I'm super into the Wild Feathers and they have a, mm-hmm. a concert release, like, a, you know, a virtual yeah. release on Friday and I ordered signed vinyl yes. from them going to be fine. I ordered it, um, as a little COVID treat to myself and that should be arriving, um, within the next few days too. And I also found a couple great record stores here. Um, Oh yeah. That I've been able to special order things, but also just great, great locally owned 
um, cool spot. So oh my gosh. that's what I'm looking forward to next. And I want you to share what you're looking forward to next. Oh my gosh. So I am looking forward to the fact that I'm taking Thursday off to work on my thesis. <laughs> which you're just going to laugh. Yeah, full, full circle. Um, back to the original point is I, part of it is I am stressed about where I'm at. I should be further along with it now, but a full day of undivided attention to it is is what I need. Like I am a deep work kind of person, understanding the concept, Cal Newport, deep work, um, psychologically getting into a groove and a movement at a deep level and not even just the shallow questions. Some of the deep questions I've been getting around things lately have required, you know, any email that comes through, any text, any call, any message requires, it pulls us out of deep work, right? And so I am, I've done, I've done one other day um, of deep work and of deep thesis work. And I put my phone on do not disturb at the beginning of the day. And I work and I work and I work until I have a timer set when I stop. And so I don't check social media. I don't check messages. I don't check anything, right? Um, And it's awesome that I just get to sit so deeply and richly in what we're (laughs) in, what, what I'm learning that I, I don't even need to have time, right? This concept of time just goes away. So that with that, I think that's a notation that we need to stop with my apartment noises. We have more apartment noises going on. That's actually my heater this time, not the shower of my neighbor. Sorry. <laughs> Thank Is you. Is it cold? Is it cold? What? Is it cold here? Yes, it's cold here. Are you kidding me? Whatever, you 75 degree Colorado weather. Yeah, it's 41 degrees here. <laughs> Oh, I'm so checked out. Whatever. I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Okay, yeah, it's cold here, and it has been cold here for a while there, Allie. Um, Okay, but anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. But I think a couple takeaways that I want people to focus on that I think people should focus on are, number one, what's toxic in your life and what boundaries can you put in place to rid yourself or protect yourself from those toxins if it's a person if it's a workflow if it's stress and this is some preaching to the choir as you guys heard throughout the course of this and then what do you need to make you hopeful what do you need mm-hmm. i'm going to ask you that you share on the instagram on the jenna millie instagram your picture okay. with the uh, wings and okay. what you said about hope please okay yeah i can do that so yeah I did not mean to interrupt. I was just You're giving fine. extra. No, that's good. So those are a couple takeaways, I think. Uh, interesting exercise if you want to. You can look up a time. Um, time marking or time auditing um, is a really great exercise that can help to see how you're spending your time right now to get kind of a baseline as you look towards your best possible life in the future. So thanks for sticking with us with us through this, despite my myriad of apartment noises in my old apartment in historic district of Omaha. Um, so thank you. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing it with a friend to interact with us and share the responses to the questions we posed in this episode. One of the best ways to do that is follow us on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Starman and may not reflect the views of Teammates Mentoring Program at large. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time.